0: Be with her. That's why. Be with us. That's why she's with us. We were just down there for the high school graduation. What's great is we had a girl graduate that I remember when she was born. Uh, four months after we got, uh, we started the church, our first family. Uh, she had some complications, so they asked me to go there to the clinic where she was born. So I saw her the first day she was born. I think I was the third person to see her, and uh, then I had the joy of seeing her graduate preacher graduation. Uh, this last Thursday. So it's, uh, that was a great blessing. But Kelly will be going back down there. She has people she needs to, kids she needs to teach, but also she's training uh, girls there in their last year. They're in her uh, uh, student teaching, so she'll be supervising that, sort of working herself out of a job, unless she plans on working with us the rest of her life, which is possible as well. Colossians chapter four, Colossians chapter four, Colossians chapter four, You can stand for the reading of the Word of God. Um, When I was about to go on furlough, I was thinking, what would I like to tell our people that support us? What is the greatest need? And I believe this is it. Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 4, says, Continue in prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this message as we look at prayer and the great need of prayer in great need of prayer in missions god i don't believe there's anything as important as what's going to be preached about tonight when it comes to missions and so lord i pray that you would open the hearts of everyone here god to the need of prayer but also to be challenged what prayer can do in the life of a missionary what prayer can do in the work how could change the dynamic of some missionary work out there Lord, I pray that you just use this message in a great way. I pray that you give me power and words to preach this message. I pray these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. A.J. Gordon was a pastor in Boston back in the 1800s. He was a, a prolific writer. He was a uh, head of great burden for missions. In fact, he started a college that's still there today. It's called Gordon College. Uh, he started to train, uh, train missionaries to go to the Congo. But he was also a well-known preacher. In fact, D.L. Moody would have him preach at his Northfield Conference frequently. Uh, But above all, he was a man of prayer. And A.J. Gordon said these words, prayerless giving will never evangelize the world. Think about those words. Prayerless giving will never evangelize the world. It's important that churches give. That's what gets us on the field and helps us stay on the field. But we'll be wasting our time if we don't have churches praying for us. I believe that with all my heart. The Bible says, uh, there's a song that even says, all is vain unless the Holy Spirit comes down. And he comes down through prayer. That's why Paul wrote, Uh, the missionary wrote to Colossus, the church of Colossus here, and urged them to pray that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. And notice that he uses the same word twice, which encourages me in verse three, it says, "...without praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance." He wasn't just asking prayer for himself, And uh, he was also asking for prayer for all the whole band of missionaries that was with him. But I believe by extension, he is praying for asking prayer for all missionaries everywhere in all time, even today. And starting today, uh, tonight in God's Word, I want us to look at some doors with with respect to missions for which we should be praying. Uh, The first door I want us to look at well, before we even look at the door, doors that God wants to open on the mission field, I want us to look at the God that opens doors. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. You know, it was Jesus that, that uh, built the church, and he said these words. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I believe that with all my heart. Now, some people take that as if the gates of hell... Uh, Like, the church is a refuge, and we're supposed to defend ourselves from the gates of hell. Well, that doesn't even even make any sense. Uh, We're supposed to, as a church, be on an offense going against the gates of hell, charging the gates of hell to rescue the captives that are captives behind those gates and rescue them, those that are captive at Satan's will. But it seems like sometimes those gates are shut tight. (laughs) Amen? But you know what? God can open up those doors. In fact, God can bust those doors right open, and He does it through prayer. Look what it says here in Revelation 3, verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. So we pray to the God that can open doors, and I want us to see some doors that we need to pray that God opens on the mission field. The first door I want us to look at is the effectual door. The effectual door. First, uh, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's look at verse 8. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. Now Paul here is writing from Ephesus. He's writing the church of Corinth, and he says these words in verse 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now that word great is pretty easy to understand, but then it says, effectual, the great and effectual door. What's that word effectual mean? Well, effectual comes from a Greek word, energes. and as you can imagine, that has to do the idea of energy or power. Authority, but it also has the ideal efficiency. Has the ideal of um, uh, producing a desired effect. For for example, when a machine is 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 built, uh, it, they always measure its efficiency by how much it's accomplishing the purpose for which it was built. So effectual means to uh, accomplish or to produce a desired effect. I want you to remember that. We'll look back at that meaning later on but I want us to look at when that effectual door was open in the ministry of Paul to see that you have to go to Acts 19 so let's go to Acts 19 please in your Bibles Acts chapter 19 and we'll look at verse 8 as well here we see Paul coming to Ephesus to preach uh, to begin evangelizing the area see a church started and he, as was his custom, he goes to the synagogue. This is in verse eight. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But it says here in verse nine, when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So there was opposition when Paul started this. This, this this new work, and uh, I, I'm a mission, uh, Well, I'm a Marine. Uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. I wasn't a Marine, so I guess I'm still a Marine. That's what they say. However, there's one there. Amen. But uh, you know, we as Marines, we think in the uh, terms of beachheads. And I think of every time a church has started, whether it was, it was this one here, when Pastor Atwood started a few years ago, or the church started in Mexico City, or whenever a church has started in a, a new area is evangelized, it's a beachhead for God, amen? It's we're establishing a beachhead in enemy territory. In Mexico City, they've been captive for years there. has been enemy territory. When we started that church, it was like establishing a beachhead. But then once they establish a beachhead, you know, when they establish a beachhead even, there's opposition. Remember Tarawa, Iwo Jima. Well, there was opposition here as well. The Bible says that divers were hardened. They believed not, they spoke evil of the way. And how people are hardened today, amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember back in the 80s. Uh, some of us remember that, but uh, uh, they were in churches, and we—I remember I was a teenager b- back then, and we'd be knocking doors, and it seemed like we'd always come back from Teen Soul Winning, Brother Harrison. I'd go out; we'd go out with Brother Harrison, and uh, and we'd always see people saved almost every every week, and uh, we'd come back rejoicing about who we were able to witness to, and and many times who we were able to lead the Lord. But now, man, in, th- in the twenty-first century, we're happy if we get a track in the door sometimes. Amen. <laughs> Divers are hardened, but you know. That's par par for the course, but that shouldn't stop us. And that didn't didn't stop the church there either, as we'll see in a minute. That didn't stop the Apostle Paul and his band of preachers. But divers were hardened. People believed not. People spoke evil the way, Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure no one's ever spoke evil of Heritage Baptist Church here in, no, here here at, uh, here in Corpus Christi. No, it's not that way. Well, it wasn't like that for us in Mexico City either. You'd think, you know, we're just trying to help the community, we just love people, that they would just love us back, amen. But they don't, do they? The, 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 really, the, the truth is, they don't. That's how it was in Mexico City. When we bought a property there in Mexico City, our neighbors welcomed us first of all by saying we weren't zoned to be there. So they told the government. In fact, the government came, and we had to show them the paperwork. I had to go to. Department of Urban Development and show, yes, we, we were zoned to be there and we won that battle. And then they pulled out some ordinance that you never hear of, a, a noise ordinance saying that we we're too loud. And uh, that was pretty easy to prove. We weren't anything like the church around the corner with their drum set and with their electric guitars, So that was pretty easy to prove. But it seemed like they were just, uh, uh, you know, there was opposition and they spoke evil the way. That's how it was for the Apostle Paul as well. But the thing is, this continued for two years. Look at what it says in verse 10. And this continues by the space of two years. So for two years, people are not believing, divers are hardened, people aren't believing, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're speaking of the way. But then the Bible says, in spite of that, look what it says, so that all they that dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. In spite of the opposition, Paul and his band of men made sure that everyone, not only in Ephesus, but everyone in the whole province of Asia heard the gospel. Now, it doesn't say that they were all saved, but they made sure that everyone heard. And that's our job in spite of the opposition. You know, uh, when we started our... Church here in Mexico City. There's 22 million people in Mexico City. I can't reach 20. My church can't reach 22 million people. I don't have illusions. You know, we can't reach 22 million. But we thought, well, we'll concentrate in our delegation. You know, Mexico City is divided in the delegations, just like uh, New York City has its different boroughs, the Queens. The Bronx, you know, uh, Manhattan. Well, they have 16 different delegations. Our delegation has 400,000 people. And so I said, we're going to concentrate on our delegation now. Praise the Lord. Now we, we're in other delegations too. Amen? We're, and they're knocking doors there as well. So we can re- even reach more people. But at the beginning, I said, we're going to reach these 400,000. We're going to make sure that everyone hears the gospel. We're going to cover this delegation like butter on toast. And we did. We went to every street. We've gone to every street in that delegation of 400,000. Uh, we did it one time. It took us 13 years. The second time, it took us five years. When you have more help, you can do more, amen? And so uh, they're almost done. They're in the last neighborhood right now, finishing, I don't know about right now, but they'll be on Saturday out there and knocking doors. But but what I'm saying is, in spite of the opposition, we need to make sure we're doing our part and God will do his part. And God did his part here. In fact, you see in verse 13, uh, let's go down to, uh, in verse 16, we see there's an exorcist that takes place and it goes bad. It always goes bad when you have unsaved people trying to, uh, cast out a demon on an unsaved person, (laughs) amen? And that's what happened here. In fact, uh, they ran out of the house naked and wounded in verse 16. But in verse 17, it says, this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And notice what it says here. Now remember, two years of people being unbelieving. People are... Hardened to the gospel. People speak evil of the way for two years, and suddenly the Bible says, in this same town, fear fell upon the same people that were hardened to the gospel fear fell upon them all the name of the lord jesus was magnified many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men now i remember back in the 80s once again i'm a you know that's my experience but uh, we young people in youth rallies uh, young people would come and bring their records out. some of you kids are looking what's a record okay i know that that's hard to Fathom what a record is, a little disc that's round. Some had big holes in the middle, some had small. Depending if it's an LP or, well, I'm not going to get on all that. But we uh, burned burn the rock records and things that kids had, break them and burn them. Well, here, I don't know what, what, what we do today. Maybe they'd be MP3 burnings, MP4 burnings. I don't know what they would do today. But that's what they did then. And the, re, the point is revival broke out. Verse 20, so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. So we see here the Word of God prevailing, the name of the Lord Jesus is magnifying. That word prevail, once again, remember what Jesus said, the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Now what causes, why did this effectual door open? What What was it that caused that door to open? Well, turn with me please to James. Remember that word effectual. We see that somewhere else in the Bible, don't we? James chapter five, verse 16. James 5, verse 16 says at the end of that verse, the effectual, there's that word again, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And there's that word again, avail, prevail, it's the same word. What causes uh, uh, God to prevail? The Word of God to prevail it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous men and women. That word effectual, remember what it means. Effectual means to produce a desired effect. Well, what was the desire? The desire was expressed through prayer. And the desire was that God will open some doors and some doors were opened. Well, where was that prayer expressed, Pastor? Well, turn with me, please, to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. When you study your Bible, you'll find out all kinds of things. Amen? Now, we're about to read in... Uh, Chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. Now, when Paul wrote these words, penned these words, he's about to leave uh, Corinth to go to a fiesta. Uh, I better not say that fiesta. <laughs> a feast, a Jewish feast. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. A Jewish feast in Jerusalem. So when he penned these words, he went to Jerusalem, but on his way, he took a survey trip actually in Ephesus, was there just a little while, and they said, we want you to stay, and he said, no, I got to go to the feast. So he goes to the feast there in Jerusalem, and then he works his way through Asia Minor to go start the ministry in, 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 in uh, Ephesus. So these words were penned two or three years before that affectionate door was opened. And look what he said to this church in Thessalonica. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Isn't that what we saw back there in Acts 19? The word of the Lord was mag- uh, magnified. The, the name of the Lord was glorified. See, even as it is with you, God answered that prayer. The Bible says the word of God had free course. God wants to answer prayer. He wants to, while we probe for opportunities, okay, you have your beachhead, you probe for opportunities, and you pray in the meantime. That God will open up a door somewhere that we could pass through and, and rescue some captives, and that's what happened there in Ephesus. The doors of opportunity were open. That sort of happened to us, and it did happen to us in Mexico City when we started the church in Mexico City. I wanted to. Uh, I went there on purpose. Where there's military across the highway is the largest military base in Mexico City, in, in Mexico, uh, in all of Mexico. Right next to this is the. Um, Pentagon of Mexico, the Army headquarters, the Air Force headquarters is all right there. The largest military hospital is right there. Uh, So that's where we started our church on purpose, to reach military. Uh, And uh, when we started passing out, we passed out 20,000 John Romans and, and invitations to our first Sunday. And uh, the thing, problem was on the base, we couldn't get on the base, it was locked up tight. But there was some off-base housing where officers lived. Uh, they had their own little city there for officers with their schools and their hotel, a uh, hotel, uh, mall and everything. We were, we were able to get on there. So when we started our church, we had majors and colonels and captains from the very first Sunday, from the very first few months. But we didn't have any enlisted men, they were all officers. But I wanted to get there on base, well, one, uh, after about four years, we had a general attending our church. The name was General Camacho, and uh, he started bringing his chauffeur to our church. So I said to General Camacho, what if, what if your chauffeur would nonchalantly drive us on the base? And uh, he said, well, I can do better than that. And he had me in his office, and he had the general in charge of all the base housing come, and, uh, and he got permission from him to let us get on base. So this, uh, we got some tracks made, some really nice uh, uh, military tracks made, full color. Uh, church in Tacoma made them for us. In fact, they he gave uh, they, they sent some guys down, ex-military and military to come come help us pass these out. And so we got on base and and uh, and and we drove past administration. They said, yeah, we know you're here, that's okay. Go ahead. So we started passing them out, going in the doors and passing them out, and we had a, a, tr- a flyer for uh, Bible study, military Bible study. When a convoy of trucks start- came came up, and uh, soldiers got out and gathered us all together, and the lieutenant kindly said, you have to leave. The problem is, although the general in charge of base housing knew about it, the general, the commandant of the whole base didn't know, and he was pretty upset when he found out we were, we were on there, and so we got kicked out. and It seemed like the door was shut, that Satan shut the door shut tight, shut tight. But praise God, there was a young man, a soldier, who received that track. You saw him in the presentation, amen. amen. Uh, the, the escort to the... To the um, uh, Secretary of Defense, he got that track, and uh, now he was a pastor's son of all people to received one. He was a pastor's son, uh, a Baptist pastor's son even, and received that track. But he had gotten away from the Lord, and uh, and uh, he married an unsaved wife. Well, when he got that track, he started coming to church, and then his wife got saved. Lourdes got saved, and then his daughter that you saw in the presentation she got saved, and then she, as a girl, started bringing her kids, her, her friends that lived on base to BBS. And through that, families started coming. And now we have a bus route there, and uh, uh, they're knocking. What we couldn't do, they do every Saturday, man, because <laughs> they live there. And they're knocking doors every Saturday. God can open up doors. That's right. God opened up that door. Now, John Gill, who wrote commentary on our text there in Colossians chapter 4, he, said, he wrote, God opens doors of opportunities, God opens doors of men's mouths, and God opens uh, of men's hearts. And God opens doors of Christians' mouths. And we see that in our text. If you want to go back to our text there in uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter uh, 4. He talks about another door here in verse 2. Verse 3. It says, With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. There's the other door. The door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in bonds. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So you're probably wondering, well, what's the door of utterance? What's that word mean? That's what I was wondering. What's that door mean? What's that word mean, utterance? So I had a. first of all, when when you're studying, uh, hermeneutics says you need to study the context. So if you read the context, it says here, to speak the mystery of Christ, which I'm also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So it has to do with speaking as you ought to speak. That gives you one idea of what it means. But then another law of hermeneutics is you go to the law, it's called the law of first mention. You go back to the first time it was mentioned, and that's in Acts 2.4. Remember the day of Pentecost when they came out of the day, uh, the church came out of the, uh, the, uh, the upper room, and they spoke as was given to them utterance. Now that word utterance means, uh, in the Greek, is apathagamai, there in Acts 2.4, and it means to speak forth. It means to speak with elevated and dignified discourse, not just uh, conversational tones, but speaking with, uh, speaking forth. And that's what they did. And in fact, that same Greek word is used in verse 14, when Peter stands up and he preaches, and there's such conviction that 3,000 souls get saved. It's the same word, apathagamai that's used in Acts 26, 25, when Paul speaks to Agrippa and and Felix, I believe it is, and Agrippa is under such, uh, is gripped by uh, conviction that he says, almost thou hast persuaded me to become a Christian. So that's the kind of, that's what utterance uh, gives you another idea of what utterance means. It means to speak with power. It means to speak with authority and to speak with grace as Jesus spoke. Remember in Luke uh, 4, he, he goes to Nazareth for the first time at the beginning of his ministry and he's preaching and they are astonished at his gracious words. He speaks with words of grace. Uh, he comes in the power of the spirit, the Bible says. But what was he doing for 40 days before then? you remember? He was fasting. What else do you think he was doing? praying, amen. I'm sure he is praying. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when they came out speaking with utterance, what have they been doing for 10 days? they had been praying. And then if you still don't believe me, go with Acts. I hope you believe me. But Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, sometimes it takes two or three verses to convince some people, amen. Acts chapter 5, should be just one, but Acts chapter 4, I mean, Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 here, we have a uh, James, no, I'm sorry, John and Peter, Peter and John, they have just been threatened for preaching. They're coming back to the comp- their company, they're coming back to the church, and we see them coming back, not having a pity party for being threatened, but a prayer party, that's a better party they have, amen? And they come back and we see them in the middle of the prayer in verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants, grant unto thy servants protection for the threatenings. Is that what it says? No. It says, and granted thy servant with all boldness, they may speak thy word. Boldness, Say like Paul, he spoke boldly. The Bible says in Ephesians, and I mean, in, in, there in Ephesus. And look at verse thirty-one. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And remember what they did? They just they prayed. The place was shaken together where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with what's that word again?" boldness. Look at verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. Some people say, well, that great power was just given to the apostles. It's not for everybody. Well, read the rest of the verse. And great grace was upon them all. Not just the apostles, everyone that was in their prayer meeting. The same grace that Jesus had when he spoke. That same grace is for everyone here. And it's for, but it's not just for us here in heritage here in the States. It's for Missionaries, and it's for those that are in the missionary church in Mexico City as well, and that's why I, I'm preaching this. That prayer, the Bible says we should pray for that the door of utterance opens not just here in the states, but everywhere, and for everyone. In fact, go to Ephesians, and you're still not if you're still not convinced, go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Here he's praying again. In fact, Colossians and Ephesians are like parallel almost parallel uh, uh, epistles, where they speak about the same thing. Now, this is at the end of the armor of God, And a lot of people say, well, there's only one weapon, offensive, everything's defensive except for the sword of the Spirit. That's the only offensive weapon that there is listed here. That's not true. Look at verse 18. People forget this verse, the last verse uh, of this, uh, uh, at uh, at the end of the uh, armor of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit. That also is an offensive weapon. Rarely used, unfortunately. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and washing therein with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Remember those words. We're going to get back to it in a second. And in verse 19 it says, And for me that utterance, there's that word again, utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador and in a that that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So utterance is speaking boldly in the power of God. But it's not just, like I said, it's not just for the preachers. It's not just for evangelists and missionaries. Look what it says in verse 18. Watching in two with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, including the saints in Mexico. You know, I can't reach 22 million people. I don't know if you know that or not, but I can't reach 22 million people by myself. I can't even reach 400,000 by myself. My family and I can't reach 400,000. It's gonna take an army of soul winners to reach that 400,000. That's what we've been working on for the last 18 years. Amen. <laughs> preparing. That's what the work of the ministry. We're preparing. What does the Bible say? Perfecting saints for the what? The work of the ministry. And they, they're doing it. They're doing it. You saw in the presentation. Amen. How are they reaching those people there? You know, it's a, it's a church of 130 people reaching out another 100 people every Sunday. And how they're doing it with the power of God. I could tell you stories, but I don't have time. I'll just continue your prayers. Amen. God will continue using our people to bring people to Christ. There's one more door I want us to look at, and that's the quaking door. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. What I call the quaking door, and you, you, you'll understand in a minute. Matthew chapter 9, you know, Paul here, we've seen prayer requests of Paul. And now we see, it's not even a request, really. It's a demand of, of Christ that we pray for a certain thing here. Verse 35, it says, and Jesus went about the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Are you there? Matthew chapter nine. And and it says, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So he's going about from village to village, city to city, and he's doing it all by himself at the time. Well, you say, well, what about the apostles? Well, they're only disciples. They're not apostles until the next chapter. What about John the Baptist? He's in jail. So Christ sees a multitude and he's doing it. It's all up to him at this point. He's doing it all with multitudes in need. He sees a multitude in verse 36. He's moved with compassion on them. He's moved on compassion because he sees people fainted, the Bible says. Multitudes fainted. That word fainted has has the idea of uh, coming about with their sin and the problems caused by their sin. Now think about us as missionaries, we see the multitudes. If, as you saw in the presentation in the back, at the very end when I'm standing up on that mountain, in the back you see a sea of gray. And with that sea of gray are, are homes, tens of thousands of homes, ramshackle homes. They just threw them up, they never even got a chance to ever pay them because they don't even have the money. But, but but it's a sea of tens of thousands of homes, and it's a ridge that goes for miles and miles and miles. I wish I wish it could take you there. And then there's a dip, and then there's another ridge of tens of thousands of homes that go for miles. And then another dip and another ridge of tens of thousands of homes that go for miles. Hundreds of thousands of people back there in the Kalpan. And as we drive through there and as we visit the people, we see the people completely lost in front of the, uh, the junior highs and high schools, young people completely lost fainted under, uh, uh, with the guilt of sin and, and with the problems that, are, that come from their sin. And they're scattered abroad. That has the idea of looking for the answers in the wrong places, but never finding it. But the Bible says there's a, there are sheep having no shepherd. The reason why you can't find the answer is because there's no shepherd to guide them. We have the answer here. But the Bible says the labors are few. In fact, he said the labor, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are so few. 50 years ago, no, 70 years ago, there were 4 billion people on this planet. There are 100,000 people leaving the shores of the United States to go reach them. Now we have double, 8 billion people, so you're probably thinking we have 200,000 leaving the shores of the United States every year. No, we have only 29,000, one-third to reach what was half the population 70 years ago, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are pitifully few. And that's why he says in verse 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. And that word in Spanish is beg ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Fervent prayer, as it says in in, in James, that ye may be, that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. And that's the problem. It's not the problem that God's not calling. The problem is... Uh, There's some people that aren't listening. And that's why we need what I call, and go with me to Isaiah chapter 6, a quaking door. A quaking door experience among, practically speaking, among our young people. Now there are some old people that can be called into the ministry as well, uh, into the mission field. I have two friends of mine, have 30 years of ministry. One's going to Myanmar, one's going to Poland after 30 years of ministry. But most of the time, it's young people that go and we need to pray for young people, amen? That they have what I call quaking door experiences. It says here in 6-1. And in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it were the seraphims, each one with six wings, with twain he covered his face. So this seraphim, uh, before which if we would see, we would be hiding in the corner, they have to hide their eyes from the almighty God, filling his train with the temple sitting high and lifted up, and he saw the Lord. The Bible says, and these cried one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then verse four, the posts of the door are moved at the voice of him that cried. The doors quake, what I call quaking door experience. Uh, Isaiah sees God as he truly is. The house is filled with the smoke, the Shekinah glory of God. Verse 5, then he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Oh, we need to pray that our young people see God as he truly is, that they respond like Isaiah did with awe and reverence and with humility. Oh, we need that today among our young people. Amen. Amen that they see God as he really is, that they get rid of their, put this away, amen? Right. amen. Right. And they put their eyes on God. And that's, look, look how he responded in verse seven, the Bible says, the iniquity was taken away, his sin was purged. Oh, I remember when I realized my sins were taken away, amen? Yes. It resulted in what's called gratitude. Amen. Something else that's missing, gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember when I was a teenager, I don't know where forgot where Robin's at, but man, uh, remember, man, she, she and I we had a great youth pastor. Brother Harrison, a great pastor. A great principal, Brother McCann. And I remember uh, I had a verse in, in there in uh, Psalm 16 that says, my lines the, the, my lines are falling in pleasant places. Yeah, I have a goodly heritage. I thought, wow, I have such great parents. I have, have, have a, such great Christian school. I have a, such a great church. How can I just uh, take that and just throw it away and just say, uh, you know, that's not important. That was so important. That should be so important to you, young person. You have a great heritage. Don't spoil it. Use what you have. Take advantage of it. Give yourself to God. That's what they did here. he did here. Isaiah saw the Lord, and the Bible says uh, uh, in verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people. I'm sorry, verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And whom shall go forth? Then said I, here am I, send me. You know what? I can't create that. Quaking door experience. I can't do it. Pastor Che can't do it. It has to be God that does it. And we need to pray that God does that among our young people. You know, there was a pastor who was concerned about his young people. His name was uh, Jonathan Edwards. Maybe you've heard of him. He had a young people that were just as worldly as many of them today. They didn't have smartphones back then. They had worldly, worldly literature. But he started praying, the people in his church started praying and a great revival broke out. Back a great revival that turned into the great awakening that shook the continent of the United States. And many young people were called out of his church and you probably heard of one of them, a famous one, David Brainerd was his son-in-law. Yeah. But that's what we need, we need to pray for doors of opportunity, pray for doors of utterance and pray for quaking doors. I wanna finish with a story 100 years ago over 100 years ago, 150 years ago, the record of a wonderful work of grace in connection with one of the stations of the China Inland mission attracted a good deal of attention. Both the number and spiritual character of the converts had been far greater than at other stations where the consecration of the missionaries had been just as great as that more fruitful place. What it's talking about is there was one place there in China where they were seeing more results more converts, more greater character among the converts than other parts in China where the missionaries in other parts were just as consecrated as these missionaries. So it begs the question, why was God blessing this place so much if, if the missionary wasn't much different from the other missionaries? And I sometimes wonder that myself. Why has God, since the very beginning of our church, blessed so much when I see sometimes even other missionaries in Mexico struggle? And I wonder why? Well, here's the answer, I believe. This rich harvest of souls remained a mystery until Hudson Taylor, on a visit to England, discovered the secret. At the close of one of his addresses, a gentleman came forward to make his acquaintance. In the conversation which followed, Mr. Taylor was surprised at the accurate knowledge the man possessed concerning this inland China mission. How is it, Mr. Taylor asked, that you are so conversant about the conditions of that work? Oh, he replied, the missionary there and I are old college mates. For years we have regularly corresponded. He has sent me names of inquirers and converts, and these I have daily taken to God in prayer. At last the secret was found. A man praying at home, praying definitely, taking, to God, <coughs> taking these specific cases among the heathen to God in prayer. This is the real intercessory missionary, and this is what we need in every church that supports us. James Gilmore said these words, "My." He's a missionary to Mongolia. He said, My creed leads me to think that prayer is efficacious. There's that word again, effectual. And surely a day's asking God to overrule all events for good is not lost. It wouldn't be a day lost spending time in prayer. Amen. And you say, Well, that's impossible. I don't have that time. You know what? He addresses that as well. He says these words. Still, there is a great feeling that when a man is praying, he's doing nothing. And don't we feel that way sometimes? Aren't we tempted to feel that way? Be honest. You know, I just, I'm just, we're not accomplishing anything. And he says this, and this feeling makes us give undue importance to work. Not that work's not important, but it's like, you know, okay, Pat, okay, God, I got three, I got, three, I got five minutes. I can give you five minutes to pray because I got plenty of work I got to get done. And he says that too. He says, sometimes even to the hurrying over and even to the of prayer. Isn't that what happens? He goes on to say, do not we rest in our day too much in the arm of flesh, Cannot the same wonders be not down, done now as of old? Oh, yes, they can. We just need to pray like they did of old. Do not the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth still to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him? Oh, yes, he does. Oh, that God would give me more practical faith in him. Where is now the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. He is waiting for Elijah to call on him. Remember that story when Elisha took the mantle from Elijah, from Elijah, from, 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 from above, and he took it, and he went to the River of Jordan. He struck the River Jordan. What did he say? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? The question is, where are the Elijahs that will pray like Elijah? And that's what we need on the mission field, Elijahs that will pray fervently, that will pray earnestly like Elijah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would recruit some people today, God, that your Holy Spirit would recruit some unnecessary missionaries that would pray, not just for my ministry, but for the ministries of the churches, Uh, the missionaries that are supported here. Just think one person here could change the dynamics of some maybe struggling work out there. And God could do a great work through the prayer of one man, one woman here, who would take maybe a missionary here as their missionary and pray for them. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.